The time has come. I like that. The time is now for Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. She's a world-renowned dog trainer. Seen enough dogs today, have you? She's the host of It's Me or the Dog. I'm coming to train you. Along with co-host Holly Ferfer. You don't play around with that name, do you? I am a fan of sweaty balls. She's Victoria Stilwell, and she's ready to go. This is a lovely way to start the day. You get the busy bee. I need to trim her whiskers. I see some poo here. I feel a little bit better now because I'm the only one who usually feels stupid during the podcast. Now, let's head to the studio and get this Positively Podcast started. Woohoo! I feel like we're in a game show when we hear that fantastic intro, don't you, Vic? It, it gives me so much energy. I love it. I love it. Hello again. Hi. How have you been? Oh, great. Good. Busy, but great. Good. And actually having some time in Atlanta, which is fantastic because I never had time here. You've been in town for a few days in a row. I have. And, you know, I was, I was working it out since January. I haven't spent more than 10 days in a row here in Atlanta. I've probably wow. traveled, I don't know, I've been on about 60 planes. Well, I'm not going to be offended, but the week you're here, I'm gone. God, why I was out west that? last week and you weren't around. <laughs> I'm not going to take it personally, but maybe someone who's here to help me. Dr. Paula Bloom is here <laughs> in our studio. Hello, Paula. Hello. I'm so happy to be here, Victoria. My kids are huge fans, and I... You know, we're going to talk about therapy, but this is very therapeutic for my relationship with my kids because they love you. What oh, well, thank you. My cool factor will go up a little bit. I really need it. What so, am I, top liver? You. Oh, hi, Holly. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the time. Oh, no, I need therapy. <laughs> <laughs> now, Paula is a uh, psychologist. Yes. And um, she is seen all over TV. She's on Nancy Grace's show and Jane Velez Mitchell. You're all over CNN, Headline News, CNN and Espanol. Um, See. Si. Yes, because what you might not know about Paula Bloom is that she is from Chile. Yes. So English is not your first language. Well, theoretically, I, I use that as an excuse for my poor grammar. I was actually born here. It's mm-hmm. my, I'm the first one born here in the U.S., so I, I use that Spanish is my first language, but, you know, just for my spelling. You, you speak another language. Victoria's British. She speaks another language. Yes, oh I do speak another language. <laughs> oh, my God. I just have to say, I hope that I'm going to have sort of an emotionally corrective experience, Victoria. I've always had a really hard time with people from England. I can't read them. So you, nuanced. Ooh. Yeah, well, we can so be very English. reserved. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yeah. I know. And scary. Uh, am I scary? <laughs> oh, sometimes. They feel judgmental, but they're really just quiet. You know? <laughs> do, you know, do you know, I was watching an edit of one of my shows that's going to be coming out in the new year, and man, I'm scary. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching that thinking, whoa, you go, girl. It was well-deserved, I have to say. Oh, my gosh, and this show is just going to blow you away. But I was scary. I was giving it large. And you're talking about It's Me or the Dog, the new season coming out in January. So yes. we have to wait to see. Do you remember what episode it is? Can you tell us like it's I don't know if it's going to come in sequence, but oh. yeah, it, it, oh, when you see it, you'll see a Victoria Stillwell that you've never seen before. Well, listen, she, Victoria, in case you don't know, came to my house to help me with one of my dogs. And I'll never forget. I came late because my husband was there first. And I'm not going to lie. I had sweaty palms, <laughs> dry mouth. I walked in. I was like, I'm the biggest idiot in yeah. the world. We can schedule a session for you. Thank we can you. figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate um, that. And it's so much. funny because if somebody saw you in your studio hanging out in your casual clothes, they would be like, really? She's scary? Just don't uh, tell anybody. Yes. Oh, sorry. The oh. other side of Victoria. Okay. Okay. The soft side. It's actually side. just here. We're Victoria's secret. (laughs) We're in the cone of silence on the podcast here. Okay. Anyway, um, but you have a book coming out, Paula. I do. um, And it's called... Why does he do that? Why does she do that? I have a co-author. His name is Dr. Reef Kareem, and it's a male-female 
perspective about relationships. And it's very um, honest and truthful. And there's a lot of stories about my clients and a lot about knowing who you are. And guess what? Asking for it. More likely to get what you want if you actually know what that is. Do you know what? This is so fascinating. And, and, And I read somewhere, and correct me if I'm wrong, that when men talk about well, when women talk about their emotions, it makes us feel more relaxed because we're, we're, we're letting it out. When men talk about their emotions, I read somewhere that it, instead of themselves feeling more relaxed, it actually their cortisol levels, which is the stress hormone in their bodies, rises. So actually talking about their emotions causes them stress. Is that right? right? And that's a lot of times when women are like, why won't he talk about his feelings? Why won't he share with me? She feels like she's vented and sort of dumped everything out. And she's like, <sighs> and he's like, oh, my God. Men tend to get flooded emotionally more quickly than women do. That's why tip for the ladies, for the men, if you're talking to a man, be very careful about how you start a conversation if it's going to be something difficult because men can shut down more quickly. So how you start out, they call it the soft start, is really important. The soft start? The soft start. Mm, I need to use that with my yeah, husband. I need to practice what I preach with my husband. <laughs> hey, honey. Hi. I just want to talk to you about something. What the heck are you doing? Right. <laughs> I look at him. I'm like, are you going to wear that? And then it goes downhill from there. Yeah, totally. Fantastic. And the book's out in March. It comes correct? out in March, yeah. I can't yeah. wait. I cannot wait to see it. All right. So, um, but Vic, what have you been doing? You, um, actually boxer stock, you were busy last weekend. Yeah. I attended boxer stock, which, uh, is a fantastic, um, day. If you have a boxer, yep. mm-hmm. uh, in Atlanta, um, there's we a strong had, boxer rescue here. In Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, unfortunately there are a lot of dogs that need homes. Mm-hmm. So it was great to, great to be here. I mean, it was great to be there. And then I did, um, the Atlanta bully rally. Oh, and of course that oh. is really, uh, the, oh, pit bulls from, Mm. every corner of Atlanta coming together um, and they're, they're wonderful owners and I'm ha- t- have to tell you I know there's so much negative stuff in the media about this breed but when you meet the real pit bull you just see what an awesome dog this is. Mm-hmm. And so when you see so many people coming with all of their amazing dogs, it just, it just, it shows you the other side. Mm. And I wish the media would show that because then if she they did, yeah, well, that was <laughs> a pretty breed a owner. You have yes. a pit bull. I mean, I just, mm. I, I'm, I'm fighting so much to get more education out there. Uh, really that these problems are on the other end of the leash. It's such a psychological thing. It's sort of like when we talk about kids that are quote unquote bad, a lot of times it's environmental. It's not their genetics that are bad, right? It's how they're raised. And so it's interesting because, you know, you can have a belief about something like, oh, this dog is bad. You're not going to pay attention to the 10 positive things. You're going to look for their one piece of information that supports your hypothesis, that supports your belief. And that's what happens with our children. It happens with dogs. It happens in life. So we need to know what those beliefs are, mm-hmm. how we're seeing the world, because that's what affects your ability to see things clearly. So how do we change people's perception? How do we do that? A lot of what you're doing right now, which is talking about it and putting it out there. And you need you need people to advocate. Listen, negative stuff needs like nine or ten positive things to counter it, whether it's a relationship or whether it's what you're talking about in the media. It's an uphill battle when you have to try to overcome the negative because the negative stuff is much sexier, right? To talk about these horrible things that happened. It's um, much more scary. And when people are scared, they pay attention. 
right? So yeah, it's, it's a tough one. You know what? Well, that's fascinating. You say that because that's the whole thing with my positive reinforcement training. We're trying to counteract all the terrible damage that's been done by the dominance trainers in this country. And it's, it's a battle. Mm-hmm. It's a battle because the dominance training looks much more powerful. It's much right. more sexy. It's and very much interesting that you say that, that, that that's why the battle is so hard because the positive isn't as sexy. It, it's not frightening right. and, and it's seen as soft and as weak when Actually, we know it's not, but that's fascinating you say that. I'm really glad you said that because it, it, it kind of, it, it shows me that what I'm doing um, is hard. Mm-hmm. What not, myself is doing yeah. and, and thousands like me. Well, let me ask you this because I, I have a friend who is adamant about pit bulls, just does not like pit bulls. And, you know, on, on his Facebook page, he'll post another pit bull attack. And my husband got so upset, he went and did some research and found that the last three attacks in the past two weeks, two were with labs and one was with the German Shepherd on kids. Now, you never want to, you know, we're, we're such dog lovers, you never want to put dogs in a negative light. At least we don't. But so how do you, Paulo, how would you deal with someone like this and and because it's it's i understand that's your belief and that's your feeling i'm not going to invalidate your feelings about them because obviously i'm not going to change your mind but how do you keep them from spreading the poison um first of all you have to realize that you don't have all that control and that a lot of times when someone feels so passionate about something no amount of facts is going to dissuade them they have this belief and like i was saying before now of course if you know, on Facebook, I wouldn't do it, but if he like, you know, or she came into my office, I would look at why you feel so strongly about this. Why are you unwilling to look at other things? Is it because you're extremely passionate about children and you're scared of children getting hurt? You know, there could be other things when people, you know, in, in our profession, we used to talk about research is me search, you know, whatever you're picking to spend your life doing, there's a reason for that. So, you know, taking that approach as far as looking at this person and saying, because ultimately what he really or she really wants is to protect people. I mean, it's unfortunate that this is the thing, but people will hold on to all different kinds of causes ultimately because they want to protect people. And that part is, is, is a positive thing. It's just having that channeled. It's very difficult. And like you said, they look for things to support their hypothesis. Didn't look at the two lab and the German That's shepherd right. attack. But then again, too, it's also our, our national discourse because you didn't hear about these two labs and a German shepherd, except if you lived in that town, oh, this is a terrible tragedy or this poor child who was bitten or hurt. But the minute that there's a pit bull attack, yep. it's all over the national That's media. Right. So how do you shift national focus? I mean, yes. So we talk about the media. I'm part of the media. And I know, you know, we like sexy stuff. And oh, my gosh, can you believe this? We want the drama. You know, you know, if it bleeds, it leads, is, right. you know, what right. we hear. But but how do you change national discourse? Well, it's. I think, again, it's about presenting other information, right, and having experts, people who have credibility, i.e. you, Victoria, putting that out there um, and having breed owners, you know, people who own the breed, tell their story. But again, I don't know where did this come from? When did this breed, when Victoria, what is the history of this breed getting such a bad rap? What, what happened? Because it breed? used to be the nanny dog. It used to be that you would get a pit bull to, to babysit and protect children. Yeah. Right. So what happened? Because these dogs are very, very loyal, very loyal to their own. Um, well, certainly I know that uh, 20 years ago in Britain, there were a lot of people who were owning these bully breeds and um, fighting. They've always been fought really since since Elizabethan times. Mm, wow. And um, even though they look quite different to the uh, pit bull of Elizabethan times, um, they are, or the bully breed, I should say, they're still used for fighting. And so they are a symbol of power. 
Mm-hmm. And um, you find boys, you find men, you find people who want to fight their dogs. This It becomes big business. It becomes a big sport. You can earn a lot of money mm. from buying and selling these powerful breeds. And it just became very, very fashionable. And then there were a few attacks in Britain, not just by pit bulls, but by German shepherds, by Rottweilers, by the, by the harder breed. So they decided to ban these bully breeds, especially the pit bull, the Japanese Toza, and the Doge Argentina and the Fila Brasileiro, these breeds that they considered fighting breeds and considered dangerous. And what just amazes me is that part of the legislation was if your dog is found to be guilty of pit bull type, guilty, the dog is guilty, it can be taken away from you. And they tried to do that in order to reduce the the attacks and bites on people. But um, really what's happened in the last 20 years is bite statistics have risen. More and more people without pit bulls being in the country, more and more people are getting bitten. Who is the biggest biter here in the United States? The golden retriever. Wow. You know, that, that's, that's what we're looking at yet. It really is. It's this, this, this macho symbol. And yes, unfortunately there are owners who have been completely irresponsible, have had fought the, that dogs have given the dogs a bad name and it's because of the people that the dogs have had a bad Mm. name. These dogs don't want to fight. Let me just make it very clear. These dogs don't want to fight. It takes a long time to train a pit bull to really fight and they're goaded and they're Mm. abused and they are Mm. kept in horrendous conditions. So it's against their nature. You're saying this is totally against against their their nature. nature, Against their nature. Man has developed it. Not the nature of the human beings but the nature of the dog. Exactly. So but uh, why did they pick the pit bull in the first place? I mean a lot of people will say oh well look at their jaws. Their jaws are stronger than any other dog and they yeah. are muscular but they're not any more muscular than a german shepherd i wouldn't imagine no and there was this whole thing that dogs that people suffer from lock jaw no they don't they they, they their jaws, jaws don't lock um plus they have a different they don't feel pain pitbulls feel pain but what they no. are is that they gamey and gamey dogs will go through the pain um and they'll do anything that they they can for their master um and they will they they will fight and fight and fight and fight and fight to the death when they're made to do so because they're, they're so loyal. They're, they're so loyal. Um, and it's terrible. If you, if you just look at a dog, um, take any dog, any breed, from a bully breed to a chihuahua, that dog is going to do whatever it can to survive. So if you're violent, chances are that your life is going to be in danger. So you're going to choose not to be violent, aren't you? But if you're forced into a situation where you are violent, you're going to have to fight. The harder you fight, the more likely you're going to survive. That's what it's about, survival of the fittest. Mm-hmm. If people hadn't damaged these dogs and hadn't hadn't fought them, these dogs would, would never be in the position that they are in now. So it's not inherent in the breed. So, for instance, if you bought, you know, or bought, just say, adopted a six-week-old puppy or an eight-week-old puppy or a ten-week-old puppy, if you rescue a, a baby pit bull, they don't come to you with an innate sense to fight. They would be just like if you adopted an eight-week-old lab or an eight-week-old border collie. There's a combination of, of nature and nurture. So while you could really change behavior by nurturing your dog and bringing it up in the right way. Um, there are a few dogs, and I'm saying there are a few dogs. It's not the norm where they are, where they do have a genetic predisposition, mm-hmm. maybe to be dog aggressive. We're seeing more and more pit bulls that are but They're dog the aggressive. ones that have been bred, right? Exactly. they want to breed the, the, the exactly. characteristics that they want. Of course. And actually, what's interesting is um, I saw a documentary on PBS, which was phenomenal. It was called Dogs Decoded. Have you seen this? It's phenomenal. I highly recommend it. They talk about how dogs became 
uh, domesticized. But what they do is go back and talk about where they came from. They came from the gray wolf. And that they had certain, they found the anger gene, the, the aggressive gene, and they were able to breed it out because they were trying to figure out how do we get dogs that live in our house today. And they had a woman researcher who raised a puppy. It was born on the exact same day. Uh, it was a lab puppy, I think, and then a gray wolf puppy. And in the same environment, they were raised exactly the same. And at four months old, the puppy became a four-month-old dog, and the wolf became aggressive. And she couldn't keep it in the house anymore. But they were raised exactly the same. So the 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 nurture was the same and so they actually used gray a silver fox or some kind of a red fox and they were able to breed out over eight generations the aggressive gene and they had these foxes that were like cats sitting on your lap and nuzzling it's a fascinating um it's a fascinating documentary but it might explain a lot about why people think pit bulls are so aggressive and it's not they're not well, that just silenced the room. It totally did silence because we were all thinking about that. it all in. Okay, then. Well. You know, because it's part of my quiz questions to you. Oh, good. Okay. Yes. So we should get to that in a minute. But, um, hey, so Paula, Paula lives here in Atlanta. Yes. And um, so now that you've been in our beautiful studio and you've had the great food in the green room. Yes. And the makeup artist has made you look like, you know. Right. Ready, ready for radio. Yes. My makeup looks ready for radio. Exactly. Or like it's your wedding day. Um, will you come back and talk with us? Because I know that Vic and I have a lot. A lot of topics we want to cover with you that... Sure, I think so. Let's see how this goes. But yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'll be back. <laughs> well, I think what I'm saying is we haven't really evolved so much from the animal kingdom to the human kingdom, so you, you have a lot of good information. Of course. I'll do anything for you, Holly. You know that. Thank you. Hey, you got something on your mind? What are you, a wizard, a genius? How do they make a miniature? I mean, is there some way, some process they... They physically miniaturize the dog, or is it a puppy, or what, what the devil is going on? That's a really good question. I've got my work cut out for me here. Next time you want to know something, can you repeat the yes. question? Why don't you ask Victoria? She's the expert with this kind of stuff, you know. Uh, you obviously don't dog. know my dog. Just, Just ask Victoria. All right, it's time to ask Victoria your toughest questions. Paula, if you've got a question, chime in, or if you want to try and stump the band, she's right there. Okay, I think I got a friend when I told them I was coming here. Let me check my email. Go ahead. <laughs> Send me something. And um, I just want to let everybody know, too, if you want to meet Victoria, if you've got questions for her, if you want to talk to her, um, she does tour. Just yes. kind of like Bono and you too. <laughs> and um, on November 20th, you'll be in New Bedford, Massachusetts. And on December 3rd, you'll be in Shropshire, England. Yes, and November the 10th, I'll be in York, Pennsylvania, too. Fantastic. And uh, if you want to find out exactly where and when and how you can get tickets, go to Positively.com slash appearances. Yeah, come and meet me because we have a fabulous time. I can't wait. i got to come to one of those. I'm going to, I'm going to. Can I, can I yes. be with the band? Yeah, you can maybe. <laughs> the entourage. Victoria's yes. entourage. <laughs> Paul and I will be there in the wings. What was that movie with Kate Hudson and the band? She was oh, the... Almost Famous. That's it. <laughs> That's us. I'll be one of your entourage. I love it. Okay, here's a question from Steve in California and a question that I know a lot of people have. What to do with a dog that digs up the yard, sometimes bearing a bone, and when he pees, he gets urine on his front paws? Okay, maybe not every dog has that issue, but. <laughs> it's like a man. Uh, <laughs> love your dog. So, yeah. So, besides getting a sprinkler um what to do though digging is a big problem and i know a lot of dogs i had that problem dogs dig out of yards how do you handle that okay well exactly what i did with cashmere i like to be able to give dogs something to do and if they like digging allow them to dig but get them a special area that, that they're allowed to dig in so i either fill an area um with dirt or i create a sand pit 
and I hide all sorts of fabulous toys in the sandpit. And I encourage the dog to dig there. And every day there are two or three new toys throughout the day that are buried in the sandpit. So your dog automatically looks forward to coming out and going digging in that pit rather than digging in the rest of your yard. Well, there you go. Now, what about the... um he has, he kind of gets a little dirty when he goes to do his business. Is that just, the, the, that's the way he does it? And just, I would consult a veterinarian with regards to that. Okay. And, um, if he gets on his front paws, I guess maybe it's his aim and maybe some of those wipes, you know, those sanitary wipes, those yeah. Lysol wipes or whatever at the door. Yeah. I wouldn't maybe use Lysol, but, um, well, yeah, something for, dogs, yeah, right. for, for their special pet wipes. Um, may, maybe do that, but, but I'm thinking there are some dogs that, um, if, if it's a male dog that maybe hasn't learned to lift his leg and aim it in the right direction, so he's sort of peeing as he is like a, a still a puppy in a way. So go see a veterinarian. There might be something wrong down there. Okay. Um, here's more of a comment and a question from Savannah St. Savannah St. James. Um, and it says, hey, Victoria, this is Savannah from Texas. Love your podcasts. I really want to hear you sing Someone Like You by Adele. Someone like you. I was just listening to that in the car. Yeah, yeah, she's like, you know, I I send the best to you. She still sounds kind of angry. Oh, yeah, she shows up unexpected. She's totally, yeah, yeah. She's like, oh, I wish, I was just listening to that in the car on the way here. How does it go? I don't know. (gasps) Oh, I'm going to play it. I have the worst voice. I I can't, I can't can't have it documented that I sang in public. (laughs) It'll really hurt my career. We're going to get it for you and see, but she said it'd be cool to have an episode where you sing. So maybe anything. But this song is beautiful. I think it's beautiful. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, I, I promise you. I will sing. And actually I did because we had one of those moments where something went wrong during one of my live shows. So I sort of stood there thinking, what am I going to do to fill up this space? And I sang. I said, what, what guys, what do you want me to sing? So, um, we did a patriotic song. Uh, Yeah. Because I'm an American citizen now. So I, I sang God bless America. You you and J-Lo both. (laughs) Oh, here it is. This is it. Oh, I hate to turn up out of the blue, uninvited, but I couldn't stay away. I couldn't fight it. I had hoped you'd see my face and that you'd be reminded that for me, I'll do it. It isn't over. Holly, sing it. Okay, but here's the deal. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and Savannah says, I heard an episode with Holly's Coffee Shop that y'all were talking about Van and Vic's singing night. Have y'all recorded that yet? No, Thanks. we haven't. But do you know what? Because Van is a fantastic musician and, and so a great is Sean, singer. And my we, husband? Yes, and we sound so beautiful together. Mm. We're going to do that. Yes, okay. we are going to do that. I promise. Okay, we are going to record something, the family band. I love it. Mm-hmm. Can I use give you my friend's question? Yes, this is, I'm sure. Gonna really email. Go She's going to be horrified because she loves you. I love it. Her name is Liz. Okay. Please subtly ask about Gordon Setters who can tell time so well they start whining when they think they should be fed. Just kidding. What a blast. Can't wait to hear about it. And if she ever really wants a really handsome, very smart dog to work with, dot, dot, dot. Oh, I love Gordon Setters. Gordon Setters. I love those oh, dogs they're too. They're beautiful. smart. They are smart. Look, lots of dogs. They they have great clocks. They can tell time. They know exactly. My dog knows exactly when uh, feeding time is. At about half past four in the afternoon, she starts getting very excited whenever I come into the kitchen or she starts following me around everywhere because she knows at five o'clock she's going to get fed. It's just, it's like, I'm sure it's like us when our stomachs say, 
it's time for food. And pretty much, if we eat on a regular basis at regular times, our stomach is going to get hungry and tell us, and our brain is going to tell us when we need to eat. Same with a dog. And that would be, would that be a good reason not to really change up a dog's schedule? We think, oh, they're just a dog, but you can mess them up if you, you know, you feed can. them at different times. However, I used to be uh, of the thought that, you know, the dog has to be on schedule all the time, but then life happens. And sometimes dogs can get very stressed out when their schedules do change, when they're so on schedule. So sometimes changing the schedule up is a good idea. Okay, now here's one from Sue Mason. It says, Dear Victoria, and I know the holidays are coming up. We're starting to get in closer to Thanksgiving, people going away uh, for the uh, Christmas slash Kwanzaa slash Hanukkah holidays and whatever else I forgot. <laughs> solstice, um, winter solstice. That's it. Uh, this says, uh, the dilemma is holiday abroad. My husband, my daughter, and myself take weeks uh, take a week's holiday in June and leave the dog at home with my oldest daughter. He has walked in the morning. A friend comes every day for a long walk at lunch, and then my daughter's home in the evening. He does occasionally attack her high heel shoes. This has lessened over the years. Archie's now three and a half. He's an old English sheepdog. He's wakeful in the night and it really takes out of my daughter looking after him, working full time in the legal field. Is it kinder to put him in kennels? He's a very tactile dog and loves being stroked and played with and human interaction. We have two holidays, one in the spring and the autumn with the dog. So basically she's asking, is it cruel to put a dog in a kennel or a daycare facility, or is it better to do anything you can to try and keep them at home and have someone look after them, whether it's just a few times a day? You know what? I'm not a big fan of leaving a dog by itself in the home and having somebody come in and feed it and walk it. Because then at night, what's that dog doing? That dog's been so used to having people there. But it sounds like she does stay the night, or the dog right. doesn't see. But does but she she's stay busy. the night It says she stays the night, but she's busy. Right. Um, he gets up in the middle of the night, and he takes it out. And she's trying to go to school, and or sorry, trying to work. And he gets up in the middle of the night, so she's just obviously having right. a hard so time. Right, so getting frustrated. I would say get a different pet sitter. <laughs> I would prefer to keep dogs in the home. Yeah. I think it is less stressful unless you have an amazing kennel. But kennels can be stressful places too. So I would keep the dog in the home and get somebody professional to come in. Knows what they're doing. You're paying them and they're going to be spending that quality time with your dog. Now there's a kennel that I take my dogs to that is like a, it's a doggy daycare in an overnight. And uh, a lot of times they go... Um, you know, and they have sort of the gen pop and they'll play and they'll do, you know, stuff like that. So, um, is it, is it bad to do that? Like, you know what I'm saying? So they're not sequestered in a cage the whole time. They actually can go out and play. Is something like that maybe favorable? Depending on the character of your dog, because some dogs are pretty shy and they actually don't want to play all the time. Some dogs, uh, or that you've got a bully out there in the play yard that, is making your dog feel uncomfortable so it's got to be the kind of daycare where it is really where they're really really good at being able to match personality they've got a small dog run they've got a big dog run but then within the small dog run they've also got separate runs for dogs that maybe just want a little bit of peace and quiet maybe just need a little bit of space from the other dogs same with the big dogs Okay, good to know. All right, uh, let's do one more question here. Um, love your show and tips. I'm trying to train a puppy mill three-year-old female Yorkie. She's six pounds and using pee pads due to her size and in, in inclement weather here. She gets it about 75% of the time but can't seem to get her to fully understand. Any suggestions? And this is Peg from Schaumburg, Illinois. So we're starting to get winter and it's going to be cold and snowy up there and this dog's probably not going to want to go outside. No, well, you know, would you want a toilet outside when it's cold? <laughs> It's snowing, no. it's raining. No. That's why we live in Atlanta. Right, exactly. 
thank the Lord. But, um, you know, that we have to understand a dog's experience. Yorkshire Terrier is notoriously difficult to house train anyway. Plus, this is a puppy mill dog. So um, puppy mill dogs haven't been given that start that uh, uh, either a really good breeder will do to enable that puppy to go in the, in the right way. So it literally is dog house training 101, whereby you take that puppy out every hour, in order for it to eliminate, try and find a place. I don't know. I've used, I've used, I've taken the pee pad out of the home and put it outside and I've used heating lamps before. I've created a little area for dogs to go when it's cold outside and, and, and they, they gravitate towards where it's warm and, um, and they go there and I put the pee pads down there or I put some strips of grass or, um, a special, indoor dog potty that I can use outside um, and I put it there and I try and make the environment as nice as possible for the dog to go outside so you can try that especially if you live in an area that has snow on the ground for six months Hey Victoria give me a fascinating furry fact The aggressive bark is Uh, thanks for that I guess I know what you're thinking crazy people crazy dog did you provoke her what did you do did you pitch her or something got anything else the average dog can run about 19 miles per hour greyhounds are the fastest dogs on earth and can run at speeds of 45 miles per hour I'm going to have to look out. I think your daughter Alex is going to have my job soon. Tell she's me. going to be, I, she needs to go into TV and film. Oh, she's great. She's she is great. And you know, I love doing book at bedtime with her because we sit, we sit in her bed and we read as she reads to me and I read to her. But when she reads to me, there's so much passion behind mm. it. She's so good. Well, you started as an actress. That's how you met your husband. Yes. He's an actor. Do you think there's some um, acting in her I future? I think so. She really likes it. Yeah, like She really it. likes it. So maybe, but I really want her to be a lawyer because I, I want her to actually <laughs> earn some money. <laughs> how about nice. a doctor? Because we're going to get old. And everybody needs yes, a doctor exactly. in the family. Exactly. Don't be an actor because yeah. you never learn anything. I have somebody who says, I just really want one of my kids to be a plastic surgeon. So that really helps me out later on. I never thought of that. Great idea. Shoot, I wish I decided not to have kids uh, and thought about that first. Anyway. Uh, okay, so we have, Paula, let me explain to you what we have now. It's called Animal Academy. Oh, my God. I didn't study. No. And um, it's very difficult. Victoria will ask us questions, and you now will see how um, perhaps um, not well-educated you are. <laughs> Let's jump right into the Let's Embarrass and Humiliate Holly segment. Open your notebook, sharpen your pencil, and get ready. Give me something to write on. You're about to attend Victoria's Animal Academy. Okay. All right, girls. Here we go. <laughs> Are you on, ready? Holly. I love it. Get off your paper. Yes. <laughs> Please, we're all in this together. Are you sitting comfortably? Yes. Yeah. Then I will begin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Three questions here. Now, you, Miss Furfa, should know this because if you watched that show that you were talking to me about, um, about wolves and how they became dogs, then actually some of these questions you might know. <gasps> okay. I didn't see the show. Paula, you are screwed. <laughs> okay, here's question number one. What percentage of genes, so how many genes... Oh, this is math. This is not math. No, no, no. Do wolves share with dogs? 99%? 90%? This is yeah, pretty really close. Pretty close. Holly, Holly do you guess? the blonde. I'm going with 97, Bob. 97. That's good. It's going higher. Um, it's 99.96%. Really? Very, very close. 
Paula's getting so excited. She's destroying my mic off. Oh my god, I got it. That's so good. Ninety nine point nine six percent. Okay. Wow. Now that's pretty amazing, isn't it? But um, that doesn't mean to say that our dogs are wolves. No. Because I think that's the that's the big big thing that has that has caused so much discussion, so much argument in the dog world, is treating dogs like wolves. In the 1970s, in order to understand dog behavior a little bit more, they looked at the ancestors, they looked at the wolf, and they took wolves from different packs and put them together to sort of simulate what it would be when you get dogs from different packs. And what they saw was um, there was a lot of violence, there was a lot of competition, there was a lot of dominance going on. And um, But if you look at a true wolf pack, mum, dad, and offspring, there's not violence there. At all. It's a family. It's a family. You don't want to be violent towards members of your family. If you do, and one of the members of your family gets injured, then you're not going to be able to hunt as effectively, are you? So why would you be violent? So what the researchers really missed is by thinking that they were studying a pack of wolves. They actually weren't. They They were studying a pack of captive wolves from different families that were put together in a, an unnatural situation. And so what, how they saw those wolves interact with other wolves, they took that and thought, well, that's how we humans can interact with our dogs. And hence you've got a lot of the old dominance pack theory that is so highly flawed and potentially dangerous and really destroys that relationship between dog and human. Um, so, so it's not really a family. It's more like an office pool. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. Anyway, um, but still, Interesting. Uh, dogs have come a long way. So that's why uh, my next question. Okay. And um, how did wolves become dogs? Oh, I know. Oh, no. Well, uh, okay. So according to this surgery, documentary. I have no idea. Some sort of assignment surgery. I don't know. Well, I think, um, well, according to the documentary, that I saw, they started to, when, when more of the docile dogs, um, would breed with other docile dogs and the dominant dogs were sort of outbred. I think they became calmer and then obviously. Yeah, but how do wolves become dogs? Oh. How did the wolf change? How did the wild wolf change to the domestic dog? Oh, I know, dog? because they put on, like in the Little Red Riding Hood, it put on the hat and the whole outfit, right? But wait, so is this it a It happened like that. 15,000 years ago. <laughs> No, it's Somebody, not a question. Get All right, shall I give you the answer? Yes, please, because I'm really good. Cool. Okay. <laughs> now, depending on how, yeah, there's been a lot of different research done, but approximately 15,000 years ago is when they they, they thought that that change um, really became it came into being because you have people were nomadic before then, but when people formed settlements, obviously their trash, their food bits, had to go somewhere. So wolves that were uh, would patrol the perimeter of these villages and would find the trash that the humans would throw away and eat and feed from that and the most confident wolves would come into the village to seek more food and that's how the relationship started so man started (laughs) man started to get a relationship with these wolves and of course then they began that whole process of breeding where you breed as you said holly you breed for really calm for a friendly component in that behavior um and if you breed a male and a female together with that component chances are you're going to get puppies that are the same and of course these wolf dogs eventually dogs were really the first um human alarm system 
because they were great. Humans needed them to protect them and to be the the first alert. They have better hearing. They better exactly. smell. They better exactly. Sight. Plus, they're great at hunting. So they became really useful wow. to us humans. Wow. So how long until we start domesticating bears, like at the campsite? You know. You think about it, and the bears come in, and now they're going to people's homes and things like that. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I have no idea. I, I just stick with dogs, Holly. I don't think I can go to bears. <laughs> okay, um, let us know. Final question. Okay, last question. Uh, what does domestication mean? Oh, well, in my house, um, <laughs> domestication, right, getting him to do the laundry. Is that what you mean? He does the laundry? Well, only every once in a while. Oh, my <laughs> husband doesn't. All right. My house, oh, I so, wish you could have seen that look. My husband's here, too. He's just, and he just gave me the look of oh death. Oh, my God. That's incredible. I have to say he does do the laundry, and he does do a lot of the washing up, okay? Yeah. Well, no, Ch- <laughs> my husband, Sean, yeah, does the laundry when he runs out of underwear, but that's... My um, husband does the laundry most of the time. <laughs> FYI. So how did you domesticate him? Um, He's trying to domesticate me, actually. (laughs) That's much more his nature than mine. So it would be positive reinforcement. So domestication would be... Well, domestication means the ability to cope with novel situations. If you think about it, wolves are very, very shy animals. If you present them with a novel person or a novel environment, their instinct would be to run away. But uh, a dog, domestication means that if you take the normal family dog stranger comes into the home they have that ability to be able to greet that stranger without fear without running away but of course a lot of dogs have fear issues but i just thought that was a really good question it too it is because yeah. it does make sense with the laundry because if i say it's not do the laundry he wants to run away <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. just survival of the fittest that's all he's trying to do he's trying to survive you holly right <laughs> And have clean underwear. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, well, we've uh, been chatting for a long time. This has been so much fun. Paula, oh thanks God, for being a here. Blast. And, Thank um, you. So, are you okay now? Like, do you need therapy or will you come back? Um, let me see. Um, <laughs> I think nothing that a little bit of green tea and lavender oil can't cure. I'm fine. I'll be fine. We'll get it in the green room next <laughs> week for you. Because yeah. um, our next episode, Paula's going to come back and we want to talk about pets as therapy because this is a, uh, a big be a great issue. topic. Fantastic. And uh, also, you know, pets at life um, are really good friends of, of ours and uh, we uh, know that they support this as well and so I know they have a lot to say about it. They have a website too, Pets Ad Life. Go to their website and check out everything that they do. They have great videos on there um, and it's a lot of fun. They've got good information about uh, uh, dogs and I think they have a lot about therapy as well so that'll be um, very timely so we'll see you next week, right? Yes. All right, and Victoria, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm surviving. <laughs> I really hope Victoria. my husband's going to speak to me after this is finished. Oh, Victoria, look at it this way. Thank you. Thank you so oh, much. It's great to meet you. I, it what is a so treat. great. It is so great to have you here. And yes, we'd love you to come back okay. because I find you absolutely fascinating. And I think there's a show idea in this for the future. <gasps> oh. Don't tell anybody oh. else. Cone of silence. Cone of silence. Cone of silence that we're letting these people in on just a little bit. That's just very nice. Little. That's right. All right, we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. For more information, visit Positively.com. Get connected on Facebook as Victoria Stillwell or follow her on Twitter at It's Me or the Dog. This Positively Podcast has been brought to you by Pets Ad Life, who encourage you to get a pal for your pet. Visit PetsAdLife.org or the Pets Ad Life Facebook page to learn more. Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively.